What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I'm here with my brother and co-host Devin. Hello! (laughs) I like that every time it gets me. (laughs) What do you got for us today, Dev? Companies provide a structure that allows for a variety of individuals to pool their efforts and accomplish huge tasks that could not be done alone. No job is ever done alone. Someone else will always play a role. Now the the no job is ever n- never done alone is obviously not totally true but in the context I um and I'm going I'm going to switch up the order of things I know you, you don't like when I do this but my recommendation <laughs> for this week is a book ca- called um Ask Iwata it's the um uh I think Satoru Iwata it was uh Nintendo's one of his one of Nintendo's longest running CEOs. Oh, okay. Uh he passed away in twenty fifteen, I think. So they someone um a bunch of his coworkers put together this book of all his teachings and his thoughts on business in general. But then yeah. he goes into some some, you know, about how he started making uh, video games and blah 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 and becoming a programmer. But he's got all this great kind of business stuff and the part of the quote, which was so simple, but it, it's one of those things that until you say it out loud, you almost take it for granted. But when someone says it out loud, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, a company provides structure that allows for individuals to pull their efforts to accomplish huge tasks that could not be done alone. All right. That's the whole point of a company, I guess. But it's kind of such a cool thing. You don't think I, you know, you usually don't think of that, but. Without the big company, a lot of these things could not be made. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, people talk about you get an idea and you try to start something. You want to be an entrepreneur. You want to start a business. You can only go so far when mm-hmm. you're working alone, when you're working. I mean, you only have so much time in the day. Right. So right. it's like you can't make everything and ship everything and send it and advertise and do everything on your own. You need to start, you need to expand. And the only way you Mm -hmm. can, the way, the only way you can do it all is to have people with you that can help you and they can specialize in those different things. Right. And obviously you could do it all on your own, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't have enough time to make it worth your time. Right. To make enough or sell enough or do enough. Unless you're like, I don't know. You know, unless you're, unless you get past the point where then you can do something and sell what you're making for such a large amount of money, 
that yeah. it, it makes up the time, like artists and stuff, you know, or, painters and sculptors and whatever. Yeah, or you're a hobbyist that just whatever money you make is like your side cash. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, you know, you're too. like, hey, hun, I make these things on my free time and I sell some of them. And, right. you know, that, that gives me whatever, a couple hundred bucks a month to spend on whatever I want. Right. Yeah, and that could, you know, that could get you along if, you know, probably couldn't get you along if that's your only income not in our yeah. world you know not in like our society where you have to make money to live everyone you know everything is so expensive that you have to have loans and you have to have mortgages and, and car payments and insurance and you just can't make enough money by just just getting by and just doing what you can you have to be able to expand um to make enough which you know is it's it's not ideal, but it is what it is, right? It's the world we live in. You know, there's, there's yeah. no reason to like fight it. Um, and I do see that, like, actually, just thinking like about him, how crazy would that like arc be of his business? You know, in his perspective, watching it, like, I don't know, was he was he from, like was he there all the way well, from the beginning? He started. Um, Nintendo was formed before he was involved with it, or. Okay. The the Famicom system, I think it was called in Japan. But he was a kid who his um his father helped him buy a calculator, but a calculator <laughs> that you could that you could program on. Right. Nice. So he learned to program in I think it was the when did Famicom come? When did like mid mid eighties? Yeah, I was gonna say probably eighties. So I think he learned in the late seventies when you, you could get a handheld calculator and things like right. that real early on but so he was making little games and then he and that was for I think that was actually was it it might be like Texas Instruments or something he had whatever it was anyway right so yeah. he was making these games and then he um yeah like Centipede or whatever that was you know? well it was yeah. yeah stuff like that and then right. he started hanging out at like he said like the first personal computer store in 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 like Japan or wherever he was, you know. Yeah. But everyone would hang out and code together because oh, right. half the people didn't have enough money to have a a PC anyway, you know. Right. Yeah. So, but he learned and he started making games, and then he sent one to Nintendo because he saw the future of how cheap the Nintendo was, uh, and how right. expensive a PC was. Right. Yeah. So he's like, I got to get involved, and he sent uh, like a fully done game. And they were amazed right away. Like, who's this kid who <laughs> yeah. sent in a fully finished game? I think he, he equal, uh, equates it to, like, if someone sent, you know, oh, at the time it was, like, a brand new Wii game, fully done. Right. To so, Nintendo. Yeah, and right. saying, like, one kid said, oh, here you go. I know you all have been working on this stuff, but here I did one on my own. <laughs> so <laughs> so they hired him, and him and his, like, they had a, a small business. They made, like, some of the original, like, golf for Nintendo. Right. Yeah, right. Like those those original one word titles, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is this is baseball. This is like, you know, right. <laughs> it didn't need any like, you know, Tiger Woods 05 or whatever. Right. Yeah. The, the categories were were like they yeah. are were, they were one for each category. <laughs> Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> Dragons. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I just imagine like just his perspective, though. He's, I mean, he couldn't have been that old. I mean, if he was, no, he he was rel yeah relatively. I think he was okay. in his fifty fifties or sixties. Right. So just imagine like the arc of his his like tenure there with Nintendo and what he saw, where he went from, and where 
He left. Right. Like, how crazy is that jump over, you know, like 40 years? It's like insane. And just, just that. I mean, I'm actually, I, I thought often that I'm really happy to be alive in this time to be kind of bridging that gap between super, super simple technology to this insanity of advanced technology that we have now. And just being able to see that and, and like, not that I'm like, uh, the, darn these kids these days, they shouldn't have technology, <laughs> but I'm just really happy that I was be able to, I was able to live through that, you know, and live in a time when I didn't have it and then have it and what I have now and really see the difference and see the benefits of what can be done now with the technology we have, which is just, you know, phenomenal. It's just amazing. You know, it's like the, uh, I don't know what's like, uh. I almost feel like it was like quantum leap, right? You know, in the show quantum leap, there was uh, <laughs> yeah. the main guy. And then like his, his like robot, you know, iPhone dude, you know, who would like pop up and tell him stuff. He'd be like, bloop, bloop, like, yeah, <laughs> right. you're here now. And it's like, that's what, that's what Siri is, is like that guy from quantum leap that like, <laughs> like, you know, uh, the like dude on his shoulder, you know, <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah, it's all yeah. the information you need right there in the palm of your hand. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good, and he's got such a. I, I, this is a weird. I don't know why we always come back to it, but you have sometimes these original guys who have a passion for it. That guy, he, you know, Iwata loved making games. He started out right. as a programmer, and then obviously moved on from there. Switched over to hardware and figuring out how to make things like the Nintendo DS and the Wii and stuff. Right. Um, and become a CEO, but uh, just the love for the business and what happens when that person disappears? Right. Like, can yeah. you continue to have that love for it? Cause everyone that comes after, they probably love it too, but you know, Nintendo's different, right? Everyone has yeah. nostalgia for Nintendo, but if you have a tiling company or a carpet company, right? Yeah. There, no one's gonna have nostalgia for Bob's, you know, target tile warehouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and after the original guy <laughs> stops and he, he doesn't have quality anymore, they're going to move on and just be like, whatever, we're going to cut some prices and quality. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it reminds me, I was actually watching a, a video today with my students on um, traditional Korean kimchi uh, pots, like clay pots. Mm-hmm. And it was just a it was a documentary on this one guy who was a traditional clay pot maker. And he's like in his 40s. Um, <clears throat> and he was, you know, he's comes from a tradition of, you know, men in his family who did the same thing. Um, and there's definitely, definitely much more, uh, like sincerity and genuine interest in following along the tradition of your family in the, like Japan, China, Korea, those kind of Asian countries. It's something in, in, in their kind of cultural identity and also Mm -hmm. their personal identity that like it draws into that. And I think that that's something that maybe just the essence of our country being like, uh, we're not going to do what you're, you're telling us to do. We're going to do something on our own. We're going to move forward. We're going to be independent, <laughs> right. you know, the rebel, like, the rebel man. Ta- man exactly. Mentality. Yeah. Right. So you're like, and there are some people, and I think there is like this resurgence now of, um, people who are interested in these traditional things, obviously, you know, people are trying to learn some stuff and blacksmithing is like gone crazy and, um, you know, yeah. knife making and all sorts of stuff. There's definitely a resurgence in these kind of, basic um skills and knowledges and things that people are bringing back but um i think really that's that that mentality of following along and doing something to the best that you can because it's something that was part of your family and part of your culture 
um, yeah. is something that they do really well in like specifically Asian countries that is not as instilled into our country, into our, you know, our, our kids. Yeah. I mean, it's all right. It's all what you celebrate. We do. We right. celebrate, we celebrate the rebel who's like, no, I'm not going to just do whatever you tell me. And there's a definitely an advantage in that, but there's also an advantage of being respectful of your elders and listening to them and, and, and sometimes going with tradition right. and being like, well, my dad says I should go into this and do it. And yeah, you might not you might not want to at nineteen, but I'm sure most of those guys at forty are happy they're in the job that their parents did. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Again, as long as it's not um, Bob Son's uh, tile company. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like something boring or some BS. Yeah. <laughs> he did say though, like that he was the youngest. He and like ten other guys that were basically his same age were the youngest people doing that type of traditional pottery. So, you know, his yeah. parents, like there, there are no 20 somethings learning it and doing it in Korea. So it's, he's like, he was saying how he's worried that it might be a dying tradition. Like there's this very specific way that they, you know, get the clay from the mountains and then they process it and they like work all this air into it. So it's permeable. And then they, you know, bake it and they glaze it. All these things are made specifically. So that way, when you put the, kimchi you know which is basically cabbage in like spices that's fermented when you put all that inside this clay pot and you store it if it's not if it's not the right pot then it'll go bad like it'll rot you know it'll go bad but it needs to be able to stay and ferment so you can't put like regular glazes on the pot because then that traps all the moisture inside mm. and the kimchi will rot so you have to put in this like specific glaze that's Somewhat permeable, but not completely permeable, and like it lets it breathe, and it's, it's right. crazy. And you know, if that obviously there's technology now, and supply and demand in our world is so high that we could probably get along fine without having to store kimchi in pots for however long, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and yeah. let them ferment. Like there's processes that you could do all that really quickly. But again, that's just one of those things that is uh, it's just kind of crazy. It was a really cool episode. Um, and actually, another nice. thing that uh, that you remind me of when you were talking about um, Iwata, uh, if have you seen you've seen Ready Player One, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Nicole, my wife, has read the book. She read the book recently. Actually, I think she she might have read it twice or whatever. But um, <clears throat> it's it's amazingly like over the top super super duper geeky 80s like trivia book you know like right. everything is like who knows the most about the 80s trivia and, and they kind of they definitely touch on that in the movie it's like right. you need to know this you need to know that he loved this movie and you know and he did this at this time and blah 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 like so in the in the movies they really focused on um how well the people who were searching for the eggs whatever how well they knew the the uh architect guy whatever his name was right the guy who started the company yeah. how way they knew him but in the books right. it was like how well and how thoroughly you knew 80s culture the movies the games yeah like yeah everything so it's kind of cool like just to think of like when you were talking about a wad i just imagine him being that guy him being like the main guy who like mm-hmm. right the programmer the, yeah, the, the yeah, ceo exactly. the right and leave behind this like you know crazy evidence you know game search <laughs> like thing you got to find something to find this you know missing thing and if you could do all this then you'd be the new ceo of the company yeah 
but yeah um, it's a fascinating fascinating book it's yeah, just it, super fun to read yeah and this this book I'm, i i think i got halfway through it in in a uh in a day so it's oh, nice it's <laughs> small-ish but it's really yeah. good and another thing i liked he he uh he also made a point to interview all of the employees under him twice a year. Oh, wow. So even if he didn't have direct contact, right. he wanted to hear from everyone. And I think he, he said his, his first few questions would always be about them, to settle them in, because everyone can right. talk about themselves. Yeah. There's no wrong answer to, how are you feeling? What do you think about this? You know, right. yeah. so he would start getting people talking by asking questions about themselves. How do you feel? Are you happy doing the job you're doing? Stuff like that. But man, just I've had a lot of jobs where you never talk to the person, right. you know, a level level or two above you. And if you did, I mean, there's a lot of frustration that goes on in the lower levels for sure. And if you could let some of it out without fear of. <laughs> any repercussions yeah, right. yeah right. exactly i mean i'm sure he i think he also did mention the book like yeah i would explain myself and be tough but i would let them speak because you can only gain you know more information about how people feel it's never going to hurt the company right even if yeah. it even if it sounds attacking to you right maybe if if then you but if you interview everyone maybe one guy's pissed and you can go well he's just a dick but if 30 yeah. guys say the same thing then you go okay right. well maybe maybe there's so- something there some that can make there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah, what a cool thing he said yeah it took a lot of time yeah i <laughs> talked to some people for an hour i talked to some people for five hours you know it was just right i, I, I like that that was a, a cool thing Jeez. <laughs> yeah everyone underneath him nintendo really come on no, i was kidding well you know <laughs> you know with it within his realm or, or maybe like maybe i you know actually i think it was before Nintendo. I think it was he had um, he was a part of a company called I think it was Hal Technologies, H A L, like in two thousand one. Right. And that was a company that Nintendo was paying to make games for them. Mm. So he was a part of that before he moved over to Nintendo, became the CEO eventually. Gotcha. So, but he did say like he had like ninety employees at one time. So right, yeah. Half the year you're talking to someone in your office. Pretty much every other day you have someone else come in and chat with them. <laughs> that's crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> can't imagine you know who's got time well, right. anyway, that's that's what makes a difference though right is when you take that time and then you can ch- you can make the adjustments that need to be made because you've collected all the data <laughs> you know, right. it's like yeah it's a world without data you don't know you know it's it's funny i uh when we think about that like being a teacher that's always like a you know like a buzzword like data blah 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 you know but then now like, as we as we get further and further into YouTube and podcasting and, you know, the different social medias and stuff, it really is important. And I mean, yes, of course you can go along, you can just disregard all the data and just do your own thing. And that's fine. And some people can do that and they are successful, but the majority of people who are successful are looking at those trends and looking at the data in a way that they can, they can benefit from it. Right. Cause that's the thing. You don't want to just look at the trends and follow the trends. Cause then, you know, there's the reason why it's called a trend, right? It comes and goes. Right. But if you can, if we can like gather all that data and look at it and use and figure out ways in which it's beneficial, like you said, maybe there's that one thing, that one, you know, asshole guy, maybe he's the trend, right? But then there's all these <laughs> other people saying something and you're like, okay, that makes sense. 
you know like if i do this type of thing and if i do this type of thing then and i do that consistently i can see that the data changes and it grows and it helps me so something to look at yeah yeah he uh you know yeah he talks about all that all that stuff trying to move on and how success can be the killer of innovation right because you get comfortable in your success and then you just think you have it and uh, i think one of another cool thing he said was we would try to shock people in a good way (laughs) so almost it's crazy things like the ds where it was a top screen that looked like a game when the bottom screen was like a touchpad people yeah. like you know they had never seen anything like that or things like the Wii right is the yeah. first type of motion controllers and you know it, it seemed like a novelty when everyone was just going for like processor power and graphics they went for just pure fun right yeah yeah absolutely and right. yeah i mean just can imagine how many people just played like Wii sports mm-hmm. you know like just that game alone is just so innovative and so like it, it, the the um like the smoothness of interactivity between the handle and yeah. you know the remote and what was happening on the screen was so nice it was mm-hmm. so like oh this is so nice it's so fun and it's so right. easy it, it just just works yeah <laughs> which like, is a uh, that's an apple uh, uh, saying it just it works, just works. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> like the iphone the original iphone it yeah. just works everything works yeah right. you know yeah exactly but yeah that's definitely one of those things i think that that uh, uh, Apple has always pushed that, you know, they're, and, and it's something that everyone knows, like Macs don't crash, you know, they don't get like mm-hmm. weird bugs like PCs do. It's just the way, the way they're designed or whatever, but yeah, it just works. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, that's good. I like, yeah, I like that it just stems from like this idea that it, it's not, yeah, you can go, you can go it alone and you could have some success, but is it worth it? You know, like what do you want how do you move on how do you want to grow how do you want to move forward well that's by bringing people who are like-minded together and working together to build yourselves up you know as a whole i think that's why i'm really happy with the like relationships and friendships that we've built with people around youtube and and uh you know in the knife making community and then the like axe community and the camping community you know and all these people who are now like all of our names are floating around each other's heads and we're always thinking about each other and, you know, bringing people up. Like I'm we're happy to bring someone up who's below us. And I'm also happy to push someone up who's above me, you know, like let's <laughs> all work together. You know, that's why often like you and I fall into this, uh, habit of recommending people who don't need recommending, <laughs> <laughs> right. but it's because we like what they do. You know, it's like, yeah, I like what they do. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. So, you know, it, or something, yeah. Know. Well, we're still at the point where, yeah, we're just calling out cool things and whatever our call to action isn't going to boost anyone crazy anyway. Right. Exactly. It's not, it's not like, it's not like Snoop Dogg tweeting out, (laughs) like, hey, check this guy out. Or Joe Rogan having someone on his podcast where overnight they get, you know, 50,000 subscribers. It's not going to happen, but maybe, maybe one day when we get a little bigger, then we could do that, but. Yeah, you know, and I think also at that time of, you know, when we get to that point and we are bigger that we still, you know, just keep shouting people out we like, things that we like. Like my recommendation today, which I'll talk about later, is just something that I think is really awesome um, that, you know, we'll get there. But, yeah. So, yeah, man, what's been going on? What have you been up to this uh, this, uh, week other than, you know, Hanging out with me and shooting videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hanging out with you, shooting videos. <laughs> now I got a. Uh, so the 
the saga of me getting hit by a tractor is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they uh, totaled the car. I got that call yesterday, so right. Got a little bit of cash, not as little as I thought it'd be, and not as much as I'd hoped it'd be. So, I guess they did it perfect. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't overpay him and don't make him pissed. Well, that's kind of <laughs> what they did. Um, yeah. So we're actually we're debating on whether just to straight up buy a, a little bit cheaper car because right. uh, I, I had a Jeep Compass, an SUV, but it's like the cheapest Jeep you can get. So you, you're not going to get much, you know, from them. So I right, can't right. go out and get a, a really nice car from w- with with what the insurance company gave me. And I've been talking about getting a truck again for a while. Right. Um, always love having trucks. You know, it's either, I either feel if you want to have a good tool, obviously you want a truck, but yeah. if you're going to have something kind of fun to me, it's either I could buy a Mustang or I could yeah. buy a really nice truck. <laughs> That's not great. that I, I really have, not, not that I have <laughs> the money for either. And I, but I would love to have both. But yeah. you could kind of you could kind of go either way, and one definitely has more of a chance of killing me, <laughs> and and I can't really do anything with it. Right? right. The only thing it's good at is trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah. The truck, lot bigger, lot safer, just as much fun. Yeah, I agree. That's so funny too, because you know there's a whole plethora of vehicles out there, but if it's not like, and not everyone would feel this way, but I think a lot of men and a lot of people who are doers have that feeling, right? That a, a pickup truck is almost like a toy as much as a sports car is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Cause it's feel, cause I mean, because it also is rugged and you could kind of offer it's it with a, it, right. It has that ability to do some stuff, but then it's also this awesome tool, you know, and you right. feel big and you feel like strong and it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would oh, all, I, I, I used to make, well, I still do a little bit, but I used to make fun of, <laughs> Just people driving around in like F three fifties, and I was just saying like you're never going to tow anything that needs an F three fifty unless you're a contractor, or like my wife's parents, they did have a big, big old RV. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So they kind of needed that, but a lot of people don't need it. But then, so I was like, it's kind of stupid. Then I um, I ran some errands in their three fifty. I was like, oh yeah, oh baby, the power. It's worth it. I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care if I'm going to Chick-fil-A, man. I want to drive this thing. You're over top everyone. You take up five parking spots, man. It's, it's great. Man. It's it's amazing. Also, like trucks have gotten a lot bigger. And obviously, there's still smaller mm-hmm. versions of trucks. But mm-hmm. they've just gotten so big. I mean, I, I have an F-150, um, you know, extended cab and full-size eight-foot bed. Uh, from 1989, and the this difference between the size of that truck and it's got a 5.0 engine in it, this difference between the, just the pure size of like the body of the truck compared yeah, to a modern crazy. F-150 is like mm-hmm. modern F's are so much taller, wider, fatter. Like they're so big. I did they're drive beasts. a uh, like a brand new F-150 um, like a, two summers ago. I think we, we my <laughs> my wife's car got hit, and so we had a we had a um, you know a rental, and we ended up driving it up to. New York and back because it was right when we were going on vacation and we we're like they gave you yeah. a one they gave you an F one fifty as a rental yeah because we we wanted a <laughs> a vehicle that could um uh, it was either we needed a, like an SUV with a with a rack so we could put our yeah. roof rack on because we were going on vacation we had to bring a bunch of stuff so it was like either right. that or a pickup truck 
And so yeah. we got the pickup truck. It was like, we oh, like yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it was like all super cush, you know, inside, like super comfortable. Was it a four Tons door or, or a super cab? It was a it was a extended cab. So it was a two door, I think. Oh yeah, so it's a two door with the small doors that you can fold out. Yeah, I think so. I think it yeah, was. that's a so that spoiler. That's what I've been looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is I think what I'm gonna do is get an F one fifty. That's about ten to seven years old. Right. Super cab, so you still get the at least you get the six hundred. Oh, six six and a half foot bed. Right. Yep. Instead, sometimes you do the four door the. Or the whatever they call it, and you get a smaller bed. Like once you start doing like four feet foot beds, it's just that's a joke. Not really, not really <laughs> useful anymore. No, so. like like I I'm I'm almost I'm almost completely against even six foot beds. At least six. Yeah, foot you beds know, six I mean feet, eight. You know, like, yeah, eight's really what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. I mean I I I don't know. I just I, I've used my full size bed for so many things. You know, yeah. that are really big and and wouldn't have worked in a six foot bed. I mean, yeah, I could get along with a six-foot bed if, you know, someone wanted to give me one, but with <laughs> 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 my choice, you know. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, once you get those, the trucks are so much bigger nowadays that a F-150 with an eight-foot bed and an extended cab is going to be almost, you know, probably yeah, a few feet longer it, than my F-150. Huge. Yeah, right? yeah. So I've been so I've been looking at the 150s super cab. Which is, it's, a, it's enough room to be able to put a baby seat in the back, which is... <laughs> all yep. I'm looking for, yeah, yeah, uh, six and a half foot bed, and so I'm. That's what we're aiming for. So I'm pretty excited. Nice. That's sweet. Um, because you know, either go for a cheap car again or use this money for a down payment. Right. That's that's probably what we're gonna do, and you know, the wife's cool with it, so hey, might as well go ahead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, and I was thinking, I was like, I was like, should I just get a car? Because I'm driving to the city sometimes, and. I was like, I don't. Why am I arguing with myself? I'm the right. wife's cool with it, and I want it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, how many more green flags do I like? Go, <laughs> do it. What are you right. doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's. I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, you you have to be in it every day, mm-hmm. and so, like, yes, there's there's, um, what is it for? Is it like purely for just transportation and nothing else? Well then, yeah. If it's purely for that, and you don't have any like desire to have this yeah, vehicle if I, that if you I, like for some other reasons, then you get the most economical thing you can get. You like a smart car, you know? Yeah, yeah. But but if also, you wanted to be a little think, more versatile, and and having a truck inspires work. I think some, you know what I mean? Yeah, you like absolutely. it's like having any new tool. You're like, what can I do with it? What can I cut with it? A truck's like, all right, I gotta I gotta move some stuff. Maybe we should go pick up some stuff. Like, yeah, <laughs> I wanna I wanna inspire more projects and things. So uh, a truck's a good start. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's actually when I first when I got my my current truck, which is on its last legs, unfortunately. But when I got it, one of the guys who I worked with at the time was like, oh yeah, you know that yeah. It was like we were just talking truck stuff, and he was like, yeah, when I got you know every truck that I've had has paid for itself in the work that I've been able to do with it. You know, and he does a bunch of stuff. He will haul, haul stuff for people. But sure enough, like within the first, you know, like three months of having our pickup truck, there was like a ad on Craigslist or something or Facebook Marketplace for someone nearby who had some like old mattresses or old beds or something that they needed to get rid of, but they didn't have any way to it. So they just put a, put a thing out there. It was like, you know, we're willing to pay someone 40 bucks to come and pick up this bed and take it to the dump. You know, we're right. like, oh, we can do that. You know, like it was like, 20 minutes away or maybe 15 minutes away drove up picked it up and how much did they give you 
like 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, that, you know, yeah, we probably spent nice. like $3 in gas and, you know, and spent an hour, <laughs> you know, so for like, yeah, for an hour's work, we got 35 bucks or something. You know, I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah, that's not bad. Right. Exactly. Or, I think or, it was or I you could be, ago, but. you could be our dad and be a little bit too nice and just start doing things for people and then, <laughs> yeah, right. and then getting your sons to come help. Exactly. Oh, we! I get this call all the time. Hey, I got this guy. He needs a. He needs us to move this thing. I'm like, who? I've never met this person. Who is this? Why (laughs) you? Why you doing it? Well, I met him, and he he said he needed, and he's a good guy. You know, he's a good guy. I'm like, so you got all of us to you. You promised our help, right? (laughs) (laughs) But then now I feel bad. All right, yeah, we'll do it. Right, exactly. You're gonna be so nice. We all have to be nice with you. (laughs) <laughs> dang it dad <laughs> stop being nice to random people <laughs> right exactly no i got some boys i'll bring them no we could do it no problem no problem we'll, we'll do it <laughs> he's got his labor force <laughs> i'll do it for, well i'll do it for free i'll get other people to do it for free right yeah exactly that's all right i'll just i'll take my good karma when i can get it <laughs> right yep <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Dad helps us get that good karma. <laughs> yeah, he's got, sometimes you got to encourage people to do do good. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, well, again, I guess we're halfway through. We didn't talk about what we kind of wanted to. We want to talk yeah. about camping and camping trips and and um, oh yeah, the joys of camping and the tools of camping and and also your most recent trip. Um, yeah, yep. Can can you start with? Can you start with some of the tools you bring, like backpacking, and I'll, I'll be I'll be right back. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, thinking about like our most recent. Now, I I started backpacking when my uh, when my me and my wife were in we were in college, and a good friend of ours, um, Jason Colvin, he and his um, his wife at the time were very much into backpacking. I think that she would lead the backpacking backpacking club at uh, Towson university. I think that's where it was. Um, and so they would go to this place in Western in West Virginia called Dolly sods. And so anyone who is from this area may, or, and is into backpacking may or may know, not know that, but Dolly sods is this beautiful, uh, like no evidence left behind camp, um, backpacking property out in West Virginia near Seneca rocks in the George Washington national forest. Um, and it's just this beautiful landscape. It has, it has deciduous forest. It has coniferous forest. There are big areas of just rhododendrons. There's like almost a, a plateau on top um, of the, the, the hills and stuff. And it's this beautiful like acreage and thousands of acres that are all intertwined and webbed with trails. And so I started backpacking, going places like that, which was just so amazing. And I, we grew up camping my entire life. Is, it, is this Dolly Sods? Dolly Sods, yeah. Ah, um, so I win. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you came back just in time. <laughs> I just came um, back and I, I took a guess. But yeah, so we had grown up car camping our entire lives. Like just since Devin was, I think my mom says since Devin was one, we we would camp every summer. Uh, every I, th- I think I. I think I was two, to be fair. Okay. Um, but pretty, so, pretty close. Right, exactly. So from then until we were all, maybe even even now, you know, once every mm-hmm. two or three years, we'll all do it together. Um, mm-hmm. we, we can't all kind of make it, arrange it so well anymore, but we still do it pretty often. Um, 
but we've been going camping. And so there was that type of camping, car camping, which is completely different than backpacking. Like, so when I started backpacking, um, you know, I was like, I had this kind of funky knife that worked, but I wasn't super happy with it, which is the reason why I decided to make my first knife. I wanted to make one that did kind of what I wanted to do was a little bit lighter and a little bit more versatile. Um, and then, you know, like I had this gigantic pack, which I don't necessarily need. So then I got a smaller pack and then, um, you know, I, I would bring like just the knife and sometimes I'd bring like a saw or something if I could find something. And then I switched over to taking like a, a tomahawk, a cold steel trail hawk, which I, um, <laughs> cleaned up and, and I bring that. So it was really light, but it could do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, and then things like just a few amounts of string and, um, maybe a couple, like bring some water purifying tablets instead of a pump. You know, so I just kind of kept whittling down the, the uh, amount of things I brought because in my mind with backpacking, it's all about self-sufficiency in the most compact thing you can bring with you. It's like, right. what's the bare minimum I can bring to survive easily over this amount of time that I'm bringing, I'm going. Yeah, and, you know, and I'm not like a purist. I'll bring, I'll bring like freeze dried. You know, if we're, we usually do two or three nights. You know, we'll bring some freeze dried food and stuff like that. But um, it's yeah, and you, yeah. you, you. Every trip, I feel like you, you probably get lighter, and yeah, all yeah. you need to do is pick up like an experienced person's person's pack to go. Right. Oh man, yeah, this, right, this exactly. is great. This is like half the size of mine, or it's something where you get in a situation like a brother Derek. And his, his his best friend Charles, where they start the Appalachian Trail, and you know the first hundred miles, there's just litter on all sides of the trails because people are just ditching things. Right. You yeah, start exactly. you start with like a hundred pounds, and then by the time you're 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 a few days in, you're you're like half the weight. Like I don't need this extra sweater. I don't yeah. need five <laughs> pots and pans. I don't. You know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And just leaving them behind in caches and stuff for other people. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And and that's. And some of that, I mean, now there's obviously a difference between a, a long form hiker right. like the AT or any of the longer trails around, um, and like a weekend weekend backpacker like I am, um, and that's just out of that's that's what I've had the availability to do since I started backpacking. Um, so really, I could take more weight because I'm only doing it for a couple of days, you know, weekend. So it's not a huge deal, but to me, it's definitely yeah. the mindset of I have to carry. And that's the other thing too. Like I'm not, I don't, if I'm going to go with a group of people, I'm not carrying anyone else's shit. You know, like <laughs> if you're bringing stuff that you can't carry because it's too heavy for you, sorry. Like I know. I'm not you, gonna you wouldn't you even carry any of my you, stuff. Wouldn't even carry Sadie's stuff. You know, you put that. <laughs> little yeah, on. right. Exactly. She had her own shit. <laughs> carry your own shit, bitch. <laughs> But you know, like like my wife and I, obviously, we always go together. So we we have we have uh, things that are for both of us. So then we split up that weight, right? That's that's right. different than like going with a bunch of people and then someone's like lagging behind because they're real heavy. I'm not going to carry any of their shit. Like that's the whole point. I have a light pack is because I don't want to have to carry a bunch of stuff when I'm work, you know, walking. Even yeah. so much that like I've gone backpacking quite a few times with my mom and some friends of hers, and. I've almost been on the edge of taking some of her stuff because <laughs> my mom always carries like she always carries this gigantic pack. Like she just likes conveniences of having it. And, you know, when we're going backpacking for a couple of days. It's fine. Um, 
but sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm like helping her lift it up. I'm like, man, this thing weighs, you know, like 60 pounds and my pack weighs like 20 or 30, you know, like, right. should I offer to take something? You know, Cause I'm, you know, twice as tall and twice as heavy and five times as strong as my mom, you know, but I'm like, no, no, that's her, that's her burden to carry. You know, like that's the backpacker <laughs> mindset. It's literally your burden to carry. Exactly. If you're going to bring the stuff that you want to be, you want to have those conveniences, then you got to carry them on your back. There's, there's no metaphor here. You have a lot of baggage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's your you burden to, deal to carry. With. You have baggage. It's your burden. <laughs> <laughs> These are all literal statements. <laughs> yes. There's no hidden meaning here. Uh, lighten your pack. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, not, I don't know if this is directly related, but when uh, when we started camping, car camping when we were kids, you know, we had we had um, lesser amount of things, right? So you had, like tents and whatever you have, you have what you need to get by. But then over the years, we would acquire more and more things to make car camping. So when I say car camping, I mean taking a car, going to a campground, and setting up at a campsite and staying there for right. however long you're staying. You're not traveling, right? Right. Um, so, you know, we would like our conveniences of car camping got so nice that we would like go, we'd set up these gigantic tarps over our entire site. We put up our right. tents, which were all big, nice, comfortable, open tents. You didn't have to like crouch and like squeeze mm-hmm. to get inside. Dome, you know? dome tents. All, all like queen size air mattresses that were eight right. inches thick. You know, right. like, um, we but would, I, I, yeah, I, I will say though, we, even well at the time we didn't have the option but it was never it was always camping stuff it was never bullshit it wasn't like oh right. well it wasn't available but you know there was no like TVs and this and mm-hmm. Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and like we didn't really have the option but it was just to make camping more comfortable right yeah it, it was it was it, it wasn't yeah. to bring in the luxuries of normal life it was just right. to make this kind of rough thing not as rough and i i've never really other than one or two trips i've never roughed it it's always been that a comfortable big air mattress big tent big tarp over in case it rains um warm showers we always did you had to have warm showers nearby right yeah uh we always wanted a lake nearby to swim because that's Mm -hmm. what you do half or that's what we always did Yep. Most of the day was yeah, going go down to the, to the lake, yeah. go to yeah, the beach, spend spend all day there, and then come back. Um, but I've never, I haven't roughed it much. I, I went on, I don't know, one trip with you, and right. I mean, and there's there's a couple different types of camping. There's like family camping, right? Yeah, where it that's evolved, like we're talking about, and now right. it's more like a mixture of like having fun friend camping, right? Yeah, like exactly. I, I I've gone camping a lot. Uh, on the Shenandoah, I, I know some people, uh, some some friends. I went a lot in my twenties um, to to the, some land that they had. To yeah. And then you just bring and, just a tent and you're right. just a tent, right? Everyone tent. brings food and coolers and beer, right? And you have a tent, That's right? It. Most of your space is for coolers and and beer and <laughs> right, whatever, exactly. yeah, whatever fun and things. And footballs, and, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So that oh, that's become awesome. that's that's become a little bit. Now we're we're older we're but we're <laughs> i guess the influence of us and and our brothers bringing a little bit more you know beer and stuff and right yeah for for family camping but <laughs> yeah that yeah, last one we did change much the, yeah other than that no that that, that <laughs> last one we did was is was really fun and i think about that a good bit 
Yeah. And we went to uh, Rocky Gap in Western Maryland. Yeah. Um, last time we had every, pretty much everyone there. That was really nice, and we yeah. had a really good time. So hopefully this summer and next summer we can work it out again because that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, and we were as you know, the reason why we're one of the reasons why we're talking about it is because this just past weekend I went camping, uh, car camping with my with with my my family and then a couple of our close friends, kind of our our pod of friends. Um, we all went car camping together for the weekend, and in that instance, you know, like we've our own my you know mine and my wife and my daughter's supplies for camping have evolved. We have obviously we have a lot of backpacking stuff, but we also have car camping stuff. Um, yeah. So you know we're always like evolving like the type of air mattress to sleep do you, on and do you want to do you want to talk about what it, how the the vehicle situation went? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have um, we have a uh, a Nissan Rogue, uh, 2016 Nissan Rogue, um, you know SUV crossover vehicle, um, and we don't have a trailer hitch on it, but we we have gotten a roof rack for it, which. Um, my wife was driving down the road one day and just a f- whole piece of the aftermarket roof rack just flew off the car. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so she saw it happen, but for some reason, uh, don't ask me why she didn't stop and try to pick it up. She just <laughs> went to work, continued down the road, you know, it's a country road. It's not like she was on a highway. So, and then she calls me and tells me what happened. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, did you find all the pieces? She's like, "Well, I didn't. I didn't stop. It's still on the road." <laughs> I was like, "What? You didn't stop and get all the stuff? Like, we could, we could put it back on. Like, we could. It, more than likely, it was user error. You know, like they're designed pretty well. It's, it's not a super complicated system as long as it's latched in correctly right. and it's all tight. And maybe it was, and maybe their system's not great. You know, it was, it was like I said, an aftermarket. It wasn't like a super amazing name brand, but it's a good brand." Um, but yeah, when we ended up, she, we did go back and try to find, we found as much as we could, but there's like missing like two or three pieces. And, uh, so frustrated. I was like, why didn't you just stop (laughs) at the time and look? And so now we've had this like saga of trying to work with this company to replace or send us another version of it. You know, one that's Mm. not going to fly off our vehicle. And so we've got, we just right. get bounced around and bounced around and bounced around. And it's so much, and my wife, my wife and I are just so laid back too, that it's, there's only so much you can fight, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and, and the thing is that those pieces that we need, we can't just buy those pieces. We have to buy these like sets of pieces, which right. if we could buy just the piece, it might be like 20 bucks, but then you got to buy this set, which is like $120. And it's yeah. got all this random shit with it that we don't need. We just need this one little like rubber foot, you know. It's like, oh, that's so frustrating. You know, and we talk about this all the time, customer <laughs> service. If they would just, even if they gave you the shit for free, yeah, you right. would be you would be a customer for life. Yeah, absolutely. How do they how do they not understand that? I mean, yes, there are some people who try to get away with stuff and go, and they complain at every little place they go to, and right. try to get the free gift cards and the free things and the, but. Most people, if you just help them out and throw a little bit of money their way, right? <laughs> even or even if they just said yes, we'll we'll give you the parts, or you know, we'll just send them to you for free, right? They would have a customer for life. I don't understand why companies don't do this. Yeah, and and it's not even like we were asking for all the everything. All we were saying was like, hey, this is what happened. This it flew off the car. You know, these are the pieces that we want. 
Now, maybe there's like a liability thing. They can't just send you those pieces. They have to do this big investigation. <laughs> Nicole had to take all these pictures and send them, and then they kept losing them. Well, and that's she had to the do thing. Like five times and. Yeah, if if but if they would have said, "Oh, I'm I'm so sorry that happened to you." Yeah, That's right. such a pain. Yeah. Look, we'll, we'll just send even look the best way they could have done it. We'll send you a whole new one that same right. model. We hope we hope this doesn't, you know, tarnish our name. We want yeah. to keep you as customers and thank you so much for for buying our product in the first place. Right. You, like I said, you guys probably would have never bought another carrier by any yeah. other company. You would have always gone back to them. Right, exactly. And, you know, like retail, this thing was like maybe 350 bucks or 400 bucks. So it's not like their cost price is not that. You know, that's like <laughs> this big company that, you know, their cost price of what they're sending us plus maybe shipping is maybe $150. You know, right. like, <laughs> and, it, and if they don't have the structure to just send parts, right, which oh. is such a, that's such a, that's shady business anyway. Right. Because they can send small things, but they want you to buy. The whole pack of stuff, which yeah, is just that's right. shady business. But if you if you so shame on them if they don't have the structure to just send <laughs> one or two things. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was the thing. It was like with them, they were only concerned about the entire issue, and like it never came up to like just replace pieces. And but if we look online, we can see the pieces, but we can't get them just individual. It's it's just frustrating. But all this to say that we don't have a roof rack on top of our car. It you, didn't come you with You didn't racks. take that vehicle. <laughs> so we didn't take that vehicle because we because we wanted to bring our daughter's bike. Um now we don't have a roof rack for a bike system anyway, so we would have had to figure something out, but we do have a car top carrier that's a pretty big Excuse size. You. Excuse me. <laughs> so if we would have had the car top carrier, we could have put all of our supplies up in the car top carrier, which we have, and then we would have had room in the back of the vehicle for a bike, right? And it would have not been an issue. Um, and then our friends, um, the porters, they reached out and they said, like, could you also bring our son's bike, their son, um, Emery, who's been on the channel a couple of times. And uh, mm -hmm. so we were going to bring his bike, too. So we needed to work it out. So I called my mom and my dad. They have an SUV with a hitch. A trailer hitch and so i call them and said hey you know can i can i switch vehicles with you for the weekend so i can take this i have a bike rack for a hitch um and so i was happy to use that and they were like yeah devin has the kia <laughs> so we'll just <laughs> talk to devin i was like oh yeah duh i know that you had the kia because the, the whole like getting run into by a gator thing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we just called you up and be like hey can we switch vehicles with you and you know it was like a friday afternoon whatever we dropped off our car and took the kia and then uh when you came by on was that monday to film you brought it back so. yeah and i you know left you guys <laughs> with no gas but not intentionally I didn't, I didn't i didn't know any i didn't know someone else was gonna take the car and do yeah, a switch right. out <laughs> nicole said devin said uh you should be able to make it to hunt valley <laughs> like, oh, <thanks. laughs> yeah <laughs> you should be able to make I was, it I was, yeah it was one of those you, you're low so just go to the first gas station available <laughs> right <laughs> You don't have to like maybe maybe not the first one, but the first one on your way home. That's the level it is, right? And you know, I mean, we're not we're obviously not blameless. Nicole has run out of gas, unfortunately, more than one time. So she knows. Usually, she's like, like, but like you said, you know, you're not expecting someone else to do it. You you take yeah. on that own responsibility. The own you're you're ready to take that uh, the consequence 
because you're <laughs> right. thinking it's just for you. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. And then my wife filled it up. She but, was like, that car has such a huge tank. I think she put like almost 50 bucks in to fill oof. it up. And we're like, no, so hey, you, we're going to use like $15 and give it back to Devin. Like, you should have stopped at 30 I know. <laughs> I was like, why'd you put so much in? She's like, oh, that's just what, that's just what we do, you know? It's like, because we're adults. <laughs> when we put gas in the car, we just fill it up. <laughs> like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> Actually, yeah, Dad gave it, he gave it to me, and I think it at half, and I just kind of ran it down. I do remember thinking the last time, like, Oh, it's it's low. And that's one of those two things when you switch a car, your normal all your dials and lights mm-hmm. and things are in different places, right? So right. the thing you're normally subconsciously looking out for just isn't there. Right. Until you <laughs> just do a normal check, like, hey, let me check oh wow. Oh, there's the get. okay, yeah, yeah, we're low. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, okay. But um yeah, so we had we had that vehicle for the weekend, which is fine. You know, like I said, it's basically the same size as ours, but it did have the hitch. So we were going to take the bikes. And, um, uh, yeah, so so for this, like when I go, um, you know, we bring, we bring the kind of we're, – we're kind of back at the bare minimum of car camping stage, right? So we have our tent. We have a pop-up, like an 8x8 pop-up that we could bring with us. We do have the big tarps, but we usually don't bring them. Um, I have in the past when we've gone with friends and stuff, but – this time I was just like, ah, we're not going to bring it. It wasn't, there was like no rain supposed to be for the weekend. So we were usually when we go right. with, with our family, with my mom and all of our brothers, we would go for a week or 10 days and occasionally, you know, two weeks. So it was almost always going to be rain a few yeah. of those days. So we were just ready. No. Um, yes, yeah, so we bring that. We always bring our camp stove and we have like a propane um, lantern as well as some other lanterns. And I have actually. <laughs> One, I, I always uh, carry on me camping. And then also sometimes just as an EDC carry is my the little Olight that we were sent a while back when we did the video with the Olights in it. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It's a really small one. has a pocket clip. And it has two settings. Um, it has what they call their moonlight setting, which I think is like 15 lumens. So it's just, just barely bright enough. And then they have – then it's like a nice really bright setting, which is like 150 lumens. So – Mm-hmm. The difference between those two is just one click. It just has a single click in the back, but it's really nice to have that moonlight setting. That for low almost setting. everything you need to do out right. in the dark, because that amount of lumens when you're like in pitch black is plenty bright enough. You know, and right. then if if you're like walking down a trail or whatever, you know, then you can bump it up and have the really bright. But it's really nice to have that low light setting. So I had let my daughter Corinne go out. She's playing with all the the kids over there, and they're all running around with flashlights and stuff at night and she comes back and I'm sitting by the fire and she comes up behind me and she's sitting on this rock and I kind of, I don't know if I had this, I had like a premonition that she had lost the light, but I said, I was like, you have my flashlight. She's like, no, I lost it. I was like, you're you're kidding. She's like, no. She's like, but I know where it is. I just can't find it right now, but I know exactly where it is. We'll wait tomorrow. We can find it in the daylight. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, you sure? But you know, she was, she was pretty confident. So I, I trusted her. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. She's pretty confident. She knows like, and sure enough, we did go look for it the next day. And she told me exactly where she dropped it. Cause she remembers dropping it from this one spot where she was kind of up on a log and there was another log below her. So it, the possibility that it is that it could have, could have hit the log and gone either way. Like it had one main trajectory that trajectory that it should have gone, but it could have gone either way. So we looked around and, and below it, there were all these, like, brambles and sticker bushes and stuff. So you kind of had to, like, look in without really feeling around. And I did find it. But uh, 
came away with a pretty sweet scratch on my hand that looks pretty badass <laughs> i was like "Ooh, look at that cool scratch <laughs> like, oh and yeah you can <laughs> see that in the when did you we got a couple the, of oh, the shots of it the fire pit video oh yeah yeah, got a lot of good shots. Of your <laughs> That's cool right. Scratch, I was like grabbing so. it. Yeah, check out that sweet <laughs> scratch. It's funny because I didn't feel it at all either. I got after like finding the flashlight and going back and walking back to the site, and I was doing something else. And I reached over and I realized I had this scratch on my hand. It's like a, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like uh, two lines that come together in a point, so it's almost like a. It's like a wonky wishbone almost, yeah, but inverted. Right, exactly. Like, like yeah. you know, it goes the other way. Almost like almost like a tribal tattoo, so like long and spiky, you know, like right on my mm. hand, right between my like thumb and my forefinger. Pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, maybe that'll leave a cool scar. But the fact that I didn't feel it at all, so it's like just barely a surface scratch. But uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's been itchy today. It's the little scab is coming off. Just a scratch. <laughs> it's just a scratch. Merely a flesh wound. But yeah, so we took all that stuff, and then of course, you know, I brought four axes because that's what you do when you go camping for a weekend. <laughs> and your car camping. Uh, no, honestly, no like, yeah, that's what you do that's when what, you go camping for that's a week. I do. <laughs> our, our friend Liz, who uh, who is actually in the the uh, Smithy Build video, she was who the woman that was helping us out in the video. She texted our group and my buddy Sean from Crafting a Life. I want you know he and I both love axes and do all sorts of stuff with axes. Um, so she like texted the group and was like, you know, make sure you guys bring your, you know, bring an ax or three. Like she knew, she knew that we we're going to bring. So like I said, like I ended up bringing four and originally I was going to bring three. I was going to bring, um, like a felling ax, like a, a bigger ax just to be able to like cut if we were chopping, not really chopping down trees, but you know, cutting, <laughs> cutting bigger stuff. Uh, and then a boy's ax. Cause that middle, middle size is really nice to have. It's pretty much versatile for anything and everyone can use it. It's light enough that anyone can use it as well as like the kids can use it if they wanted to. Um, and then a smaller hatchet, like the, uh, the, um, bushcraft mod hatchet, because that one's really nice to have like around the fire for, to split up kindling and stuff. And it has the hammer pole in the end. So I figured it'd be good for hammering in stakes and things if we needed to, um, so I was going to bring those three and then I realized that I didn't really have a, a good ax for splitting if we were splitting apart bigger wood. And, and I did, and I have, I wouldn't have brought anything. I would have just used the boy's ax because that's, that has a little bit more wedge shape than the felling ax. And that would have been fine. But I do have what I call my speed, my speed splitter, which uh, was a, it's a Kelly perfect head that had a bunch of damage to it. So I modified it down and made it smaller. So it's a pretty small head but it's a really steep wedge. So from the cutting edge, it comes back, and by when it hit at the back of the end of the pole, it's maybe an inch and a quarter wide, and a pretty much like straight wedge all the way to the front. So it's really good for split, excuse me, for splitting, but it's really light, and I have it on a, maybe like a 24-inch handle. So it's on like a long enough handle, it's really light, so it's just really good for splitting wood, you know, quickly, and it's because it's really the, light. Was that the one you were chopping up the... The trees for the smithy. It was a Kelly something. I forget because you said it. You were like holding it. You're like Kelly speed something. Yeah, yeah, that's probably was my speed splitter. So it was yeah. the one. Yeah, you you a seemed Kelly very happy splitter. with it. Yeah, I love that. I put that in the video because you were describing it. I don't know if you were describing it to anyone in general. Right. You just you were. <laughs> yeah, that's what I call my speed splitter because when I'm splitting out rounds and stuff, it's so light and quick that you can just like mm -hmm. whip it through. But it's got so much of a wedge that. 
because it's light, you can move it quickly and it just pops wood apart. So it's, it's a really nice axe. So I did get questioned though, by some of the children. They're like, why do you have so many axes? <laughs> you shut up. How about that? <laughs> why you no, stupid yeah. little child? Shut up. <laughs> what do you like? Seven? <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> what do you know? You lose yeah. flashlights in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Right. I did explain. I was like, all right, these are the reasons. I wasn't going to bring them all. I was going to bring these three because it's fun to have these three. <laughs> to love Because three is better than two. But then once I had these three, I was like, oh, wait, what about this one? You know? What about <laughs> I, this have a, <laughs> I have a, uh, a favorite memory of um, friend camping, which mm-hmm. is, you know, just just, just uh, drunk camp- camping by the river in the Shenandoah, like I said before. But well, <laughs> friend, <from> that. <laughs> <laughs> friend camping, it was just a quick one. Um, you know, we're always splitting our own wood and stuff, and 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 there was a really big uh, log, and everyone was trying, and they couldn't do it, or maybe maybe it was just one guy. <laughs> and I'm sitting there making fun of him, and like critiquing his technique, and he's a big guy. And then actually, a bunch of guys kept trying, and and, and they were going through, and I was just making fun of everyone. <laughs> so finally, they you know the whole like crowd turned on me, like ah, oh, you do it, like go ahead, let's say it, ba ba ba, you know. And then everyone had tried. Just like the sword and the stone, man, but opposite. I just just one super chop, just bam, right down the middle, and everyone went, ah. <laughs> nice. it, it was like it was like when you see someone slam dunk on someone in in those end one videos. Yeah, right. And everyone, you know, like everyone jumps run, there, runs around. <laughs> yeah, runs around. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a good memory. I like how everyone holds everyone else back when that happens. You know, it's like there's always like yeah. everyone's like trying to run forward and everyone's holding everyone else back it's like you can't run forward but it's like something about that reaction it's like oh it's so crazy <laughs> everyone's holding everyone from running forward onto yeah, the court ah. uh, silliness <laughs> that's awesome but uh <laughs> yeah that was that was cool <laughs> I've, I've had some uh some experiences like that as well yeah it's just there's, there's something so nice about camping you know just just fun mm. you know like yeah i don't know and it's it's a great thing. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I was going to like wake up early. You know, it's like the birds are chirping, and as long as it's not crazy, you don't have that like one weird bird that's like bah, bah, right over your tent at five thirty. You know, when it's just about to be or there's out. or there's a cricket in your tent. And <laughs> yeah, <you're> like <laughs> what? Come on, what the heck? <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's so nice. You can wake up early and just chilly out or whatever. You know, depending on where you are, and make a little fire, get things going, and people come out, and you can. You just yeah. relax and sit around. It's just so it's so relaxing. It's so I nice. do. I I love I love car camping. Mm. I love I love that mix of relaxation because sometimes when you go friend, camp, it's not relaxing. You're just kind of partying, right? <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It's just it's party camping. So it's it's family camping or party camping. <laughs> and, you know, it's like too much beer and too much country music comes out <laughs> right. where you yeah, like exactly. <laughs> you can only take like two days of that. And you're like, I got to go back. But but kind of family car car camping is you yeah. can you can take your time you can read you can yeah, you can right. have a week a week and a half or even last time I think it was only four days but it's so nice every time we get out there it just it feels right when you get a good group you have like four maybe five different campsites you can just wander to and yeah it's uh man what a what a great thing it is yeah it's really nice and it's just like. You know, and usually everyone's on the same page. Everyone's willing to like pitch in and help out wherever you know, collect firewood or make a fi- make a meal or do dishes or, 
you know, it's like these little chores, but everyone's just there and we're just hanging out. You know, people are like, I don't know, yeah, playing guitar and you know, listening to music, reading books, having a fire, chatting. And the older we get, you know, all those conversations and things we have when we're just relaxing, sitting around, just get that much more and more deeper and, you know, we're kind of rehashing things because now we don't obviously live together all the time like we did when we were kids. So we're like telling stories and, you know, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I love. We've had, and just like the stories from years and years of doing this have just been built up. Yeah, like I remember um, when uh, we when we were younger, we would often go to a campground called uh, Sharondo Lake um, Camp, mm-hmm. which is down in the Shenandoah Valley, down I guess uh, it's like Virginia, like Southern Virginia, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, so there was there's a lake and a, like kind of a small lake um and then the main beachy area and then the most of the campground was kind of up on the hill um one time i remember specifically like we were playing we were running around this trail around the edge of the lake and i was running and i fell and i hit my knee on a stone like a sharp stone and it like busted my kneecap pretty good and i was bleeding pretty heavily like from my knee and i think derek like from that spot which is probably i don't know like a like a thousand yards or something from you know like from our campsite up on the hill yeah like it probably it may have been further or less than that it's hard to tell because i remember these memories from being when i was a kid um it was like 30 35 feet yeah right (laughs) from there he like yelled to our mom he's like mom and like she heard it from the campsite and i think ended up like coming down to the beach because she heard him yell from there i was like that's crazy (laughs) like and she heard someone yell and and recognized it as Derek's voice and came down like i like hobbled out of the woods all bleeding from my leg and stuff (laughs) actually that's that's mom that's mom powers yeah exactly it's the it's the same thing that that wakes caitlin up when When my daughter, well, so when my wife, when my daughter makes the tiniest noise, wakes her up, and I snore through it. <laughs> that, that that's that's mom powers. It just <laughs> she, she's it's up. Intuition. She hears it. Wait, what, what, what was that? Yeah, right. Something. <laughs> I have um. I have like two possible Bigfoot stories from my life. <laughs> um. One was so right. Wait, did, wait, didn't we do the bet or no bet on this one? Yeah, we did <laughs> before. Did yeah, you said bet? Did you say bet? bet? Yeah, I said bet. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah, you know who knows? Yeah, but I have two two stories that from my ex- experience that I couldn't really explain at the time. Um, so, and so one, I'll start the one that d- one happened at Sharondo Lake. Um, the other one happened. Uh, at a property that my parents owned that we were going to build a house on, but we never did, which is actually really close to where they live now here in Northern Baltimore County. Um, so we were, we were all, we would often go, this is when we were in high school, we would go, my brothers and I, and maybe some friends and we would go stay. And there was a little cabin on the property, just like a one room cabin with a little kitchen area and a bed and, you know, wood stove run down, just a single cabin. Um, and we would go and we'd stay there for a night or two nights, you know, we'd go and hang out for the weekend or whatever. And, you know, we'd bring just like the bare minimum of food and we would play what we would call the gun game. <laughs> and so the gun game is 
uh, and we did it in multiple versions. You would either have the BB gun game or you just have the regular gun game. And that the, the gun game is um, everyone goes out. You're all independently spying around really quietly, either during the day or at night. Sometimes you could be in teams. Usually it's individually. And um, the goal is to be able to hide or move around and sneak up on someone or have someone walk by you while you're hiding to the point where they are close enough that you can then, when they're within distance, you can say, like, bang, you're dead. Right? So it's this this super spy game. You're all just moving around trying to be as quiet as possible. Um, So we were playing the gun game, and it was... It was in. It was at night, or either we started in the afternoon. And it went into the evening, but we would play like in pitch black at night because it was fun. You know, it was just like run, run around in the dark, and just playing the gun game. So right. we, uh, I, I had crossed over the stream that was on the property. I was in this little kind of patch of weeds and grass and stuff that was kind of overgrown. So I was kind of in the middle of it, and um, I heard someone coming walking along right kind of slow just like normal you know so i assumed it was one of the guys right because we're all moving around you know and there were there were deer and things out there so you'd hear all sorts of little noises but usually you could tell if it's someone walking so i'm kind of there and um i i i don't think i actually stood up and was like said bang because it was still a little bit out of my out of my range we kind of had like a almost like an unwritten rule that they had to be within like 10 or 15 feet of you. Right. Cause then, then you know that you're within range. You got them. It's not like you see them 40 or 50 or 60 feet away and you're like, bang, you're dead. Cause that's not the point. The whole point is kind of like that close combat, whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I think I stood up really slowly and then saw what I thought was our brother Derek, because um, one of Derek's, <laughs> one of the things they always loved and he always thought was that red, was a really good color to wear at night because red, the value of red is really dark, just like browns and blacks. So as long as there's not bright light on you, the red would hide you really well. So I think he might've actually been wearing like a red jacket that night. Um, and Derek was always like the best spy out of all of us. So he normally won anyway. <laughs> well, he, he's the oldest. Yeah. He's the oldest. Right. And, um, <laughs> and he was in the Marines. I mean, this was before he was in the Marines, but he's always had that mentality. He's <laughs> loved spy, you know? Yeah. We, we don't still play now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're playing the gun game this weekend. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we I'd be actually kind of sweet. Yeah. It'd be awesome. <laughs> but yeah. So, so I stand up and I see this kind of reddish Brown thing moving, uh, you know, 20, 30 feet away from me, kind of across my, 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 uh, point of view from right to left. And, um, I was like a little weirded out because it kind of looked like Derek, but kind of not. Um, so I don't, I can't remember if I made a noise or something, but I feel like I made a noise and then whatever it was like just ran across from my right to my left, pretty much across my point of view and just ran off. Um, but the, the way it was running were these like really large steps and, it could have been a deer, right? It could have been just like a white-tailed deer because they've got that reddish-brown coat. It was a little bit more dark reddish-brown than that. And But the thing, the difference was that it seemed like it was really tall. Like it was it was a chest level of like, you know, Derek, our brother, you know, so six or seven or like six feet or so tall. So if it were a deer, white-tailed deer around here, you know, their main body would be three-ish or four, three and a half, four feet or so off the ground, right? They're not super tall. So it was like this color that was up high and moving in these like really long, even strides, like boom, 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 ran off. And I was like, 
it was super weird. I just remember I was like completely freaked out and I just like walked really briskly back to the cabin and I was like, I don't know what I just saw, but it didn't seem like a deer and it wasn't Derek and something that was taking these like really long strides seemed like, well, you know, running strides and not like hopping strides. So if I'm play if we're playing devil's advocate, mm -hmm. there's so it probably was a deer. Right. Yeah. That's what I think. It probably was a deer. Or, I mean, even if you took, this is always the thing I think in my head. Like, if you take took two options, it's either there's an ape hominid style walking <laughs> being <Bipedal. laughs> outside, you know, in outside of in in the county, right? Or let's say it's it's the most the the closest thing to that is a man in like a monkey suit pranking people, right? Yeah. It's always more probable <laughs> that it's by like thou that it's someone even though even how like unbelievable that would be right. that you just stumble on someone in a monkey suit in the woods. <laughs> that's gotta be more probable by thousands of percents than a secret uh human monkey thing that's never been like captured on camera. Yeah, I guess. That's what I that's what I would say. Yeah. But I mean, there's like, Espe especially now with all the phones and all the stupid right. Bigfoot yeah. shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, there is, there are thousands of accounts of people seeing things in the woods. Yeah. yeah. That, but not thousands of accounts of people seeing dudes dressed in monkeys. But I guess you wouldn't know, you know, like you wouldn't you, know. You wouldn't know. Suit or not, right? Yeah. If yeah. you see, you see what you want to see. And if right. I, Yeah. That's just me playing devil's advocate. Well, that's yeah, kind no, of how I, I feel you. too. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, we all want to see something like that, and it would be cool, right? But yeah. it's just nowadays, especially now with everyone, everyone having phones and cameras, right? And I mean, you know, where we were, that woods area is not like it was a huge nature reserve that was thousands of square miles. It's a patch of woods that might right. be a, a square mile or two square miles. You know, so, <laughs> right. you know. so I don't I don't I don't think they're living in the in basically the <laughs> suburbs of, of Baltimore. <laughs> they can become invisible. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> they pull in their ear, they go right down chimneys. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So the other time, my other story is uh where we um I was we were at Toronto Lake and you know how there's like there's the main um bathhouses and then there's a like a little walkway that goes out to where the boats launch you remember that spot dev like there's yes. like where we used to fish when we were kids like in that little spot yes. um so i was walking from the bathhouse toward that spot so toward uh the part of the lake where then you would look across the lake and there would be um the edge of the lake and then and then a hill that goes pretty much like directly up from there um, and that point where i was looking there aren't campsites right up from there. Now there is a like, um, there's like a nature center up there somewhere, but there are no trails that go directly up into the woods over there because where they would be would be to the left of my view by, you know, 500 yards or 300 yards. Like they would go up that way. So I walked out and I'm not really looking across the lake specifically, but I noticed that there was something like a large person standing on the edge of the water, you know, so without looking directly at them, I noticed there was somebody standing there. So I'm like walking along and then I, I look up and I see that that person has turned and is walking directly toward the woods. 
and then straight up into the woods. Now, in my memory, what I saw was just like a tall person all in one color, just all in browns. Right. But I but I never looked like clear enough and thorough enough to see what that was, but it but it was enough of a weird instance like there's no trail there this person just was standing on the edge of the water and then turned and walked directly to the woods whatever that would be like 20 feet and then straight up into the woods which goes up into a hill just right up into the woods and just walked up without following a trail just Mm -hmm. turn around and walk straight up in the woods i was like that was weird you know and like i said it wasn't i was never really like completely focusing 100 percent on the person but i kind of saw them noticed they were standing there was doing something looked back a gun saw them turn and walk again kind of maybe half paying attention to them and just walk straight up into the woods. And then I realized that it was this, this thing to just walk straight up into the woods. So mm. who knows, you know, it's far enough away that like, I couldn't really tell, like, like I said, in my memory, I can just imagine seeing like something like a full grown man, all in Brown, just turn and walk up into the woods. And, you know, I couldn't, right. I couldn't, you know, and again, in my memory, this is when I was a kid, but in my memory, this person, you know, had like, long hair or something right so it's it's that whole like that outline of the hairy the, like exactly it's like harry and the henderson's like i imagine seeing harry like walk into the woods <laughs> who knows but those are my those are my two like bigfoot stories my two things that like were a little odd and odd enough that they stuck in my mind you know for pretty much the yeah. rest of my life i have like a clear view of both of those events happening but who knows yeah well yeah Campfire stories, you know, what are you going to do? That's what we're here for, Yeah, I mean, they definitely freaked me out (laughs) as a kid when you would tell those stories. Yeah, right, exactly. So, oh my gosh, if I walk, you know, I walk out to pee, I'm going to get grabbed by... (laughs) Yeah, we, um... Harry, uh, Harry's evil brother. (laughs) I was telling my students about camping, you know, like I've, I work for Baltimore City Schools, and so I have, you know, these Baltimore City kids, and they're like, camping? (laughs) We're not going out in the woods. What about the bugs, and the bears, and the mountain lions? I'm like, eh, you know, like none of that stuff worries me. You know, it's like in the woods at night. So you say, you, yeah. you know, you live in Baltimore City, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I don't go there. I'm just like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But they're like, like, yeah, we don't go out at night. <laughs> like, we stay inside. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no, you got to get out. Yeah, it's so got to get people out, man. It's it's good for the soul. Yeah, and there's obviously like I've I've quite often I'll also kind of you know pull a hippie moment and just kind of walk out into the woods on my own sometimes at night too and it's dark and you got to get over that initial fear of the things you can't see because all of our imaginations (laughs) are going to go there but like once you get over that fear and you realize like you can actually hear like the life of the woods at night and you see the light from the stars and the moon and just the coolness and the breeze and uh, all the, the dark rich colors and it's so nice such a nice experience and the, the smell of yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You did used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Derek's taking over that. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Where'd Dustin go? I don't know. He's on a, He wandered off into the woods barefoot. He's on a spirit <laughs> quest, but without the drugs. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, I've all, I've always loved the woods and just that like peacefulness, you know, going out and just sitting quietly and just you can see the life happen around you. That's so cool. Like Multiple times in my life, I've kind of just sat down in the woods, and where we live on the East Coast, there's quite oh, yeah. a few no, white-tailed cool. deer. You know, just sit down, and you can just see them walking around, and they'll come up kind of close to you, and they don't realize you're there because you're just sitting quietly. You see the I'll things get, happen. I'll Squirrels give you, will come by and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'll give you that much. After reading, like, Tom Brown books and stuff, him talking about just sitting there and how things come alive, 
yeah. around you if you if you just stay quiet for 10 minutes that is really cool that's a good suggestion people can do you don't have to go hiking way out but even if it's in like some woods behind your yard or something yeah, even right. that even that close yeah if you sit down and lean against a tree for an hour you, you'll see some wild stuff right exactly yeah my buddy brian um he he kind of he started hunting this year and he said just the stuff he saw sitting up in a tree stand really quietly for two or three hours was just phenomenal mm-hmm. he saw like a fox chase a squirrel and almost get it he saw you know squirrels would climb up the tree and be like basically right next to him and then realize he was sitting there and then scurry <laughs> off see like raccoons and and obviously the deer like all the time just he said it was crazy the amount of stuff that he saw just sitting there you know and especially those hunting times right like before before dawn to right after dawn and then like before right, dusk right. to right after dusk that transition of light to dark and what happens in that time pretty wild but yeah yeah there's nothing like it camping yeah it's just you know and and uh you know if we get back to the idea of camping and the tools and things and you know a lot of what i do what i make now has all come from my love of being outside and doing those type of things axes and knives and bows and you know it's just like a fantasy as a kid you know <laughs> like what did i want to do when i was a kid i made bows and i made you know pocket knives and stuff and you know chop down trees and you know, all those things that I love to do that kind of Daniel Boone, you know, mentality. Yeah. <laughs> just like, right. you know, just keep on doing it now. And now we get to like do it for real, <laughs> you know, like make those things and use them for real. And, you know, I'm not camping. I'm not, I'm not, you know, we talk, we talk about bushcraft and things and it's all just having fun. You know, I'm not surviving. I'm not a frontiersman where my life depends on it, but you know, if, if we don't do it, then it's just, why not? You know, it's like it's a, it's something that's interesting to do and people enjoy it and they like to see it and people want to buy that type of stuff because it does give them that feeling of of this kind of frontier mentality that there's not around anymore. You know, you have a nice sharp axe and you're cutting wood. There's something super primal about that. <laughs> and like yeah. you just feel like a human, you know, I'd say like feel like a man, but I think also like that same thing. If a woman does it, you get this kind of that natural feel of like what this primal instinct us to we as humans have to survive and thrive. And, you know, my, my wife and I love to like go out and search for mushrooms and stuff and forage for plants and learn about edible stuff. And not that we need it, but you know, we find like morels and chanterelles and bedells and phalels all over our property. <laughs> but yeah, it's just uh, the chanterelles, the, the chanterelles, temptations. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah it's it's fun stuff yeah you got to get outside i I have um i guess it's just a a new recent well we've been talking about going up to new york for the um what's it called now is it the maker camp i was gonna say they just had the hammer in thing and yeah no the maker camp at blackthorn resort so that man that would be great yeah yeah, i think that's definitely on the on the schedule yep yeah, so if anyone yeah, anyone listening goes up and we we I'm pretty sure I'll be there or we'll be there. Um Yeah. That and one day we could do a um just everyone we could get we could rent out a whole circle. Yeah. And do our do our own camping thing. Do our own art of craftsmanship or like makery or something like that where we can yeah. we can do our own and ex- I mean People do that all the time, especially even in uh, Sharondo. They have that top loop. Right. That's yeah. for groups. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. So you have a you, you basically have a top loop with a field in the middle to do stuff. And man, how, how cool would that be to yeah. to um, yeah, we're, get we're one of those and and and, and just open it open it up to anyone who wants to come to the East Coast who want yeah who want, you know right, and we'll exactly. say hey we 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 have thirty five campsites right uh, we we have these reserved for this this and this person that we want to come and then everyone else come on down. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, with, with just the intention to hang out for the weekend. You know, like just come and right. camp. You know, we can oh, like, man. Yeah. Yeah, bring some asses, bring some bring some knives and, you know, maybe like whatever, cornhole and, you know, just like play games and hang out and, <laughs> yeah. and tell stories and talk and get to know people. And, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I know that, like, um, there's, a, there's a bunch of guys that do that, like uh, Roy from Vintage Axe Works and um, – uh, Brandon with from Whiskey Risky River and uh was um Matt from um hold on I'm blanking on his name probably because I've had three beers now within this hour um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh Beaver Creek Woodcraft you know like those guys there's a group of them that does that they go camping together but that's like that's that's like a small group of friends you know but it would be cool to like do something where we can yeah. invite a bunch of people. Just like, come on down. Yeah, there's there's spots open. Yeah. Whoever rents it, you know, we're just going to hang out and have fun and camp and, you know, have people chat about yep. their talk about what things you bring with you and you know different stuff you like to do and make and right. Yeah, and we could set up. It wouldn't even have to be demonstrations. We could just set up events. Some yeah. of them could be real events, like hey, we're gonna try to make this and that. And some of them would just be dumb. Yeah, cornhole tournament. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Horse, horseshoes. We're gonna play. You know, yeah, like softball can, can, or something. Who can make like a you know a bow drill fire the quickest? You know, try like some of those primitive like skills and stuff. Have a I poker know, night. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I know you. I think you and I have talked about that in the past, like with our brothers, just going out to do like a survival weekend. You know? Yeah. Just like bring bring just the bare minimum and just like try to build shelters and make fire. And if you don't bring the stuff to do all that, then you have to do it. You either have to do it or you, you know, kind of don't have a fire. And you know, we're like, well, let's do it in the summer, so it's not going to kill us, but it'd be fun to you know take that stuff out and try to try that, to build. That, that would be fun. I'll have to yeah. look into that. I wonder. What, I wonder what some of those campsites. The minimum is like, do we have to get a hundred guaranteed people? Right. Yeah. And uh, I bet I bet we could fill it up. We get. I mean. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, that, that'd be fun. Yeah, because, I mean, usually those loops, like, you might have a loop that's, you know, 20 sites or something, or, or if you have a big camp, yeah, right, a big, like, field or whatever. But we did, uh, this past weekend, the place we went to, there was, like, the, there was a main, it's a really small campground, but there was the, kind of this main, main um, you know, loops, lo- a main loop of uh, campsites. And then there was this road that kind of went up the hill a little bit, and up on the hill there was, uh, there were woods and then this kind of, short ish field maybe 30 or 40 feet wide um that kind of ran along this road and there were five campsites along this field you know so it was like a woods and then a road and then this kind of edge of a field 30 or 40 feet of field and then woods behind it so it was still the kind of woods around us but there were five campsites along it and there were five of us that were there where there were four families and we rented one additional campsite to have as like a a home base campsite so we all like cooked and eat and ate and stuff there but it was really nice so we had this whole area in the back that was like away from everyone else that was just our group of people so there were no other people back there with us it was cool that people would like (laughs) drive by on the loop and we're like what are you doing driving back here you know like this is our place (laughs) looking for firewood it was was really yeah right exactly 
Man, there was tons of firewood. We were not hurting for firewood. Ooh, I, I guess that makes sense. It's like the first weekend of real camping, you know, for on the East yeah. Coast. So there's like tons of wood around. But that's another yeah. pro tip if you're going uh, campsite camping. When you get there, drive the loops. People leave a lot of wood behind. Yep. Yeah. And so if that you, you'll yeah. get you'll you'll get half of what you need at least through the there first. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, if you get there, you know, if you're if you're on there on the, like a transition day, like a Friday or Saturday or you know a Sunday when people are transitioning in and out. Oh yeah. Then or you know or like we we would do is we would go for a week so we'd usually go like Sunday to Sunday or something like that so when we would get there Sunday most people are there they're leaving Sunday and we're we're arriving mm-hmm. at like one so so by all like the by, yep. are empty yeah but everyone's left the wood they haven't burnt so yeah, no one no one's taking wood home <laughs> I was actually <laughs> I was uh, one of one of the families Kate and Sean and their son Emery and Alistair they were they they were leaving and I was standing next to the car and I was talking to Emery. And uh, he and he hadn't buckled in his car seat yet. He, he's five. Um, and I was like, "Oh, you haven't buckled in yet?" He's like, "No, mom said I could like leave my, you know, my buckle unbuckled because they were just driving down to the um, uh, to the bathhouse to go to the bathroom and drop off trash, and then they were going to be leaving. So she said he could leave his, you know, seat unbuckled while they're driving in the campground because you know the speed limit's like five. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, I remember that when I was a kid. You know, we would when we'd get in the campground after we'd check in, we we would drive in and we would all like sit out on the windows, you know, oh, sit yeah. and, like <laughs> hang out. And I was and, and Kate was like, not yet, you know, <laughs> like we're not doing that yet. You can be unbuckled, <laughs> but he was like, can I lean out the window? She was like, we'll roll down the window. How about that? <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, we were older, buddy. It's okay, you know. I was like, I was older, and I when I was your age, I just leaned out the window, and then when we got older, we would sit on the windows and right. Yeah. It's like. Like, it's like Super something excited, that starts yeah. at like that starts at like ten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we're, you're like you know you're driving so slow you can sit up on the edge of the window and you're like Woo-hoo, we're here we're ready to go camping. I always felt like yeah. we drove like you know twenty hours to get where we were going, which it was normally <laughs> usually like three or four. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. We're there sometimes less, but yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's so much fun. Um, so recommendations. I know you've already done your recommendation. Yeah, ask Iwata. Ask Iwata and have that down. And uh, my recommendation this week is actually something I've been looking at quite often because uh, I just you know recently finished up the uh, Sloyd type carving puko knife, and I want to do another one. I want to do one with a stacked leather handle. Um, we've done the uh, the military knife with stacked leather handle, but that one turned okay. It turned out okay, but it was definitely I did it in a way that it felt like aged, so it didn't feel like a brand new leather handle. It had a certain like age to it and patina. But I want to kind of I want to figure out how to do a leather handle that has just that beautiful warm colors of you know gold and reddish brown leather that's really beautiful, and I want to do it for this uh, for this carving knife, and so I've been looking at different videos on YouTube for people who um, have done stacked leather handles, and there have been a lot of people, but one that I found, um, <clears throat> which is my recommendation this week, is a uh, his his channel is called Red Meadow. So Red Meadow Knives, um, <clears throat> and he has a five-part series making a stacked leather stacked leather blocks. So the idea is that he's actually creating a block of stacked leather, which can then be cut down into multiple uh, handle blanks, yeah. like uh, ha- um, through tang handles. And I've seen a bunch of different people do it. Almost ever, like what we did was we did epoxy between the layers, and we've kind of did that. What he did was is all about like just water and pressure. So he soaks all the leather, he stacks it all up really cleanly in a bigger block, and then he 
puts pressure on it in a vice and squeezes it and like dries it as he goes. And when that's dry, it stays together on its own. It's like a solid block of leather. And then mm. because it's a bigger block, then you can cut it down and you don't get any wavy edges because you can cut off all that wave where there's inconsistencies. And right. so it's a, it's a really, uh, really informative series. It's not the most beautifully shot thing ever you know it's it's really just like an informative series like this is the technique that i do you know this is the reason why i do it and but the but what he comes away with is really beautiful so uh, check him out red meadow knives on youtube he has a total of 55 subscribers (laughs) but (laughs) but the what he's doing here is just really beautiful and i haven't i i've only watched his uh, stacked leather series he doesn't do a ton of series it's just like little kind of clips of knife making and stuff because he's i think predominantly a knife maker but um but this is a great series so check it out red meadow knives on youtube and the the uh, series is called making stacked leather blocks part one through five awesome cool yeah Yeah. so i'm excited i'm gonna be i'm definitely gonna use his technique when we're prepping this so you guys will see me copy his technique on our video (laughs) 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 because i'm gonna do exactly what he did because it looks perfect looks beautiful that's what i'm going for well, we'll shout him out in that too. Hopefully, he gets some he gets some love. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's like it, when you have with fifty five subscribers, you know, it's like it's I can tell it's not it's not his goal, right? His goal is not to be a YouTube superstar, and not because he has fifty five subscribers, well, but it's more like the yeah. way he's shooting it. You know, his his business, he's a knife maker, and he of course, like anytime you put anything up, it's informative. You hope people watch it, and you hope you get some traction, but, um, but you know, it might be something where he's put some things up over time because maybe someone encouraged him to do it or like, you know, maybe it's the only, the only thing I can think of is when you are, um, if you want to build subscribers, you can do it right. It's, it's not super hard. You just, there's some consistency things that you have to do and some things that you need to try to do. You need to put the, a little bit of extra effort into it. And you can build subscribers. Um, hmm. Then obviously, once you once you get momentum, then it's a lot easier, right? Then then you have a, like a base of people, your community who are going to watch all the time, and then you know, and then YouTube recognizes that and they recommend your stuff more often, and then people can find your name more often. But um, that first, you know, that first hurdle of the first couple hundred and a couple thousand subscribers, it does feel like it takes some time. But if you do enough, you try enough, then you can get over that hurdle relatively quickly. Um, yeah, you know, you just have to, you have to do something you're passionate about and, and put a little effort into editing and, and make sure. Well, that, you yeah, know. you have to match the, um, the quality of the thing you're putting out, like the, the guy right. you're recommending, you, you have to just bring that level up because the, the medium is video. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. So if you're trying to present something in that medium, you just got to step that up. Just. Just a little bit. There's a few things, but you know, right. if he's got good stuff, it'll. Yeah, he'll do well. He he doesn't have right. to do do much. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this this video is he put it out a year ago. It has 221 views, um, and he has stuff from. I mean, he's not putting out super consistent, but he has a video from a month ago and another one from a month ago that's only 16 seconds. Uh, two months ago, two months ago, fourteen, four months ago, four months ago. So he's putting a few things out, you know, here and there. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully, go check him out. 
give him some love. Check out that video. Check out some of his other stuff. If you're interested in knife, knife making, it's just another person in the community, someone who can uh, hopefully influence and, and inspire, and you know we can all work together to to grow. And I'll say I'll say his 250 views probably does more because he's selling something than if we have a video that has 100,000 views. Right, exactly. All he needs is a few people from that to buy something from him, and he's already he's probably doubled the amount of money we've made off of our 100,000 right. yeah, exactly. view videos. So I don't know. He, he might be doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's another thing, too. If you if you have a business and you have, you know, if if your business is your main focus, then YouTube can only help you. If your business, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. So, like, why not shoot a couple of videos on something that you're passionate about doing and putting online? Because at least it's a venue for you now to get views on it. You know, someone's mm-hmm. gonna search your tag and they're gonna want to see something that you make or that you do or your whatever your thing is. There are people out there who want it, so they're gonna find it and then they're gonna reach out to you because if you don't put it there, then they're gonna find someone else. Right. So yeah. So if you have something to sell and you're making things and put some YouTube videos up. <laughs> like, why not? It's, it's free advertisement. It doesn't cost anything to do it. You know, which is nice. Well, what Other was his name time. again? Red Meadow, Red Meadow knives. Good deal on YouTube. Yep. All right. Anything else, Dev? That's it. I'm good. Yeah, that was good. That was fun. You know, you you recommended talking about camping and, um, I think we were kind of all over the place with what we talked about, but that's okay. It's fun. You it's ha- hey, half half uh, Japanese business talk, half camping. All yeah, right. yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's been a blast. Um, we are uh, we're super happy to be bringing you a podcast each week, and we're going to keep on doing it. Um, if you want to support the channel and the podcast, you can always go over and check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash craftsmanship, which I will put in the show notes. Uh, you can follow along with what we do on Instagram at the Art of Craftsmanship and at the Art of Camera Guy, and always go check out our videos. Which is why we do all this because we love putting out the videos and we want lots more people to watch. And go check us out <laughs> on YouTube. All right, thank you guys all so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.